0: Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics. Treatment for varicose veins and spider veins. Also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at CorridorVein and CorridorAesthetics.com.
1: It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. After an unseasonably warm December, winter managed to pack a wallop in January. But after two weeks of snow, wind, and brutal cold... Everything is melting and melting fast. That has resulted in a lot of wet basements and some other interesting challenges. Our home improvement expert, Bill McAnally, is here today to talk about winter water damage. And to answer your questions, you can email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Hello, Bill.
0: Hello, Charity. I thought we'd, you know, keep on going with the tools we had last month. Oh, yeah, we
1: had so much fun with that. (laughs) I didn't get all
0: the stuff I wanted.
1: (laughs) Next year. There's always (laughs) next year. So, Bill, you've clearly decided that winter is over you arrived in a short sleeve polo shirt shorts and sandals today i'm not joking
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's above 30 it's short season i don't understand you guys down here it was
1: not above 30 it was 28 degrees
0: oh (laughs) bunch of wieners
1: (laughs) so let's talk about water damage i mean this was so much snow here in in the iowa city area we had over two feet of snow And then all the blowing, the drifting, and then the sudden melting accompanied by rain. The basement here at IPR East flooded and many other basements flooded as well.
0: This is the this is the weirdest year because when I I was up in northern Minnesota, I was going, oh man, we finally got like six inches of snow, and then you guys are down here getting two feet. Yep. they got two inches of snow on the snowmobile trailers up, trails up there, so nobody's going. I, I should have told them all, just come on down back to Iowa, and you know, where the real snowmobile season right. is. Right,
1: except that it only <laughs> it's it's been brief. I know a lot of people who love winter sports are really disappointed by the very quick melting going yeah. on.
0: And it's just really nice walking in those sandals down here. I wasn't thinking this morning about walking through all, all your snowdrifts. So uh, yeah, <laughs> brain wasn't operating a hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. that's karma, Bill. That is, yeah. You know, and this year has just been so weird, especially you know for water. It's just like. Uh, it it would, we don't have any frost underneath the snow. Like normally, you know, the frost depths for Iowa, you know, they always say like 48 inches, you know, 42 to 48 inches. You know, when people were going out, when you get the big snow, they're going with their snowblower, they hit the yard, and all of a sudden all their sod's going in because it, you know, such a good insulator. And, uh, you know, so there wasn't any frost there, but then we get smacked with that cold. And so, you know, when that soil is soil is wet, you know, it really freezes and it can freeze deep. And the, the, the bad thing is, I mean there's good there's a really good side and there's a really bad side. Okay, I should say the good side is that water that all that precipitation we're getting is getting down deep and not running off. You know, that's the you know that's the best part is at least we can hopefully build up our you know moisture reservoirs from from it soaking in. But when we do scrape off, you know, our driveways and our sidewalks, and then we get that, you know, zero, below zero weather for a substantial amount of time, that now there's our frost underneath there. And sometimes, you know, in the winter, you know, we talk about frost heave and how frost, you know, frost in the ground will heave something up. We've got this big disparity between the ground underneath the snow that's not heaving at all. You know, because it's it's basically right. like well, summer. Well, with this,
1: that that's good yeah. to hear because with this wide temperature swing, yes. I thought- Sidewalks, we're going to be turning upside down.
0: Well, that's it, and that underneath there is starting is starting to heave. So I'm really nervous about when we do get another cold snap. You know, we it's just going to drive it farther underneath where the concrete is because we have to keep that bare for driving. Is that I think we may see more substantial heaving of the concrete higher than normal because normally the soil would kind of come up a little bit with it, right? But the only swelling it gets from the moisture. So we might not see so much of the, you know, pushing on the basements, the horizontal type of swelling causing, you know, basements to maybe, you know, curve in a little bit or, or move in a little bit. I think we may see more of the kind of the shearing action where uh, maybe if you have a uh, a drive under garage, let's say, and the uh, driveway comes up, butts up against the slab in your garage. Now that driveway, you know, maybe every winter it raises a half inch. I could conceivably, and I hope I'm wrong, I really, you know, it, you, we might start seeing it might come up three three inches. Well, then when we get that rainwater again, you know, in the melting when we do get our normal seasonal stuff, and if you have a slope in your driveway, we, we might start see more of moisture getting into people's garages and uh, maybe entries. And a lot of the times what makes me a little bit nervous is our building methods is I like to drive around, you know, building subdivisions things. When I see the uh, the houses themselves. Uh, only like three or four inches, the siding, three or four inches away from the ground around the house. Now, zero step entries, that's a whole nother thing or ramps. But around, you know, most of all four sides, that, that house is so close to the ground. And so then what moisture we do have and we get any kind of wind, it kind of moves that moisture up. Okay, it'll, it'll move it up. And just through being so close when when it does start raining that the water comes down, hits soil bounces back up, and it can soak the uh, bottom of our siding, which if it isn't vinyl or steel, it may be cement board siding or it might be wood. But what really scares me is the sheathing that's behind it, like OSB or a strand board sheathing, Um, or it's so close to the wood framing that's on top of your foundation, that can get wet. And so that moisture then will travel, it can travel up into your framing, and cause all kinds of moisture and issues like that. All right, so
1: that's really scary. There's nothing we can do about that though, right? No. And, and, <laughs> okay. and, and that's, that's, even that's, scarier. But that's, but I want, fun. yeah,
0: it is, you know, but, um, that's why, that's why, you know, I, I've been working with some inspectors. We like talking about things like this. And, and so the code calls for you to have the soil lower and, uh, and also like six to eight inches down from your siding and then it's supposed to slope like we talk all the time about you know six inches in the first 10 feet slope the slope the water away so in cases like this year um we've got that really wet soil now it's not frost so it's really wet and when that does freeze it's going to be impenetrable and so we're going to get that water in the spring again it's just going to start sloping and if you don't we're coming down slopes or pooling, and if we don't have that slope and that distance, this may be a year where we might see a little bit more damage on the bottom of siding. It's just a really, you know, freak freak yeah. year. And and it's like this all the way, you know, the whole Midwest.
1: Right. Okay, well, let's talk about wet basements because right. that's a very practical problem a lot of people have been dealing with. Of course, I've also heard about a lot of frozen pipes Yeah. Um, yeah. from, from our, our very, very cold period. If we didn't have heat tape on our very old pipes, we would not have made it through without frozen pipes this wow. year either. So yeah. I know there are mixed... Mixed feelings about heat tape, but um, <laughs> thank goodness. If they
0: didn't freeze, they were great. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. For the people that suddenly had wet basements with all this water moving around on top right. of snow, um, do we were there wet basements that don't normally get wet? You know, some of us just get wet basements there, on a regular there, basis.
0: There have there have been, and and it's almost like uh, it's almost like getting a wet basement after a you know, a freak six or eight inch rain because mm-hmm. there's so much moisture. Uh, you know, those type of homes normally it would, you know, flow away. But since it is saturated, um, yes, I, I think we're seeing, seeing those that haven't. Uh, like you say you had here, I don't remember you ever talking about here at the studios no. having moisture.
1: Not since 2008.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It is, and so I think we need to be a little more diligent this year and, uh, you know, checking your basements and, and also um, if you're thinking about putting carpet uh, down in your basements, um, you know, I would really think about it, especially um, I, I did have a I did have a builder call me up and and he had just in a brand new home. They had just put down some of the uh, I always call it click flooring, mm-hmm. you know, the new vinyl stuff and they had moisture underneath that flooring. And it wasn't from rain or anything like that. It was a temperature difference because it was insulating the slab and it was there wasn't any insulation under the slab. So they had moisture there. And so sometimes people will think, uh, okay, it's because I have a wet basement. In their case, it wasn't. But these times of years when you do have a lot of moisture, it just puts more moisture in that basement slab that you have. And so. You know, that you see it in the magazines, put a piece of plastic down over the floor, tape it down, see if moisture. You know, I was like, just put a put a box down on the floor. And if it gets wet, well, yeah, you know, you, you shouldn't put carpet down. So this may be one of those years, too, that there's, their basement slab hasn't ever really been wet. But this year it may be because a lot of homes were built in the past. We always did it this way. We just pour our basement floor on top of the soil. And normally, maybe the water table was down low. Now our water table, since we're kind of putting back that moisture, might be much higher. And so that slab may be wetter than it's ever been before. And so I would really do a double check if you're going to do anything for flooring in the basement to make sure that it isn't damp down there. And I, You're and,
1: not a big fan of carpet in basements. No, I
0: never, no, no, no. I, I, I you know, I'm one of those, that don't ever do it. Uh, because there's always that chance, and we know, we know that it insulates the slab and takes on that temperature difference, gives condensation point underneath it, and it doesn't matter if you have a vapor barrier underneath it. It's that's not that's not where the moisture's coming from it's coming and
1: why is wet carpet so very bad bill
0: yeah <laughs> because everything you know that you don't like to see in, in pictures is growing in it <laughs> and it's just plain nasty oh yeah and you got to be a real hulk to haul it out of the basement when it is wet you know right yeah yeah it's just it's just not a, not the best thing you know it would really be nice if everybody went to like an epoxyed floor or, uh, you know, ceramic tile, something like that.
1: So when you wind up with moisture in your basement, and whether or not you have carpet, I mean, how do you make sure it's dry? We know about sump pumps. We know about shop vacs. Yeah. How do you make sure it's it's dry and that stuff isn't growing down there?
0: Well, you know, that's, that's always the hard thing is, especially with Iowa, our soils are really strange. Um, you know... You go down in the southwest and you have those lust soils um, where, you know, you can it's, – it's like a big sand pile, but it stays there. I mean it's just a neatest soil. Um, but you, you get up, you know, like say in north central Iowa where I'm at, you know, we have a lot of clay. And um, people will build sometimes on that clay and on different soils where and – and I'll just bring this example in my brother's house – Um, he had a a, in the section of in his lowest level of a split level basement there was we had to put four sump pumps in that because when they built the house uh, they put a sump pump in of course well the water couldn't get to it because of the soils the clay that was there it couldn't travel from one side of the basement to that hole so we ended up putting four of them in there Uh, and so it's really hard to tell if it is wet until you actually test it with a moisture meter
1: We're going to have to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. Our home improvement expert Bill McAnally is here today and he is ready to answer your questions. Give us a call 866-780-9100. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR
0: News. Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Vein and CorridorAesthetics.com.
2: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more.
1: It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Our home improvement expert, Bill McAnally, is here today. We've been talking about winter water damage, but Bill will answer your questions about any of the home improvement projects on your to-do list. So wet basement, frozen pipes, you're covered. But anything else, also <laughs> give us a call, 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100. Or send email to talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.com. We've got a couple lines open for you to get through right now. Before we get to callers, Bill, um, all right, we were talking about drying out that right. basement. What are the tools that you like the best to, to really get that moisture out?
0: To really get that moisture out is, you know, a, a whole house dehumidifier, not not these little units that sit over by your sump pump or floor drain, you know. Um, like and, I, and I'm not pushing any brands, but probably the most popular one is an April Air. They make a whole house dehumidification system so that way it when you're whatever heating and you know cooling system you have that has a fan fan in it is you know it will circulate the air and you can have the uh, moisture and your humidity levels where you want them what's comfortable for you Um, the other thing and it's really it's really kind of kind of fun to learn about it was kind of slapped all of us in the face a, a few years ago was was you know, putting in a radon system. Now, a radon system to pull that radon gas, it depressurizes the area underneath your basement slab, basically uh, pulls the radon gas, if there is some that was, let's say, in your basement, pulls it back through that concrete, which it can do. But it pulls it out of the soil and, and then goes up you know this pipe and exhausts out. So it pulls the radon level of your home down to zero, hopefully, if it's designed right to zero. But it was kind of funny when some radon mitigation people mentioned that, you know, we get these calls about a year later that the people can't believe how much nicer their basements are. And we're sitting there thinking, okay, we weren't even thinking. when We didn't realize that, sure, when you do pull that, when you depressurize, you're also pulling that moisture vapor that's in the soil and around your basement. You're pulling that vapor as well. And so... um, a lot, of, a lot of people we've talked to have chosen to go that route. They will put a radon system in for two reasons, is to, you know, uh, mitigate the, the radon that could possibly be in your home and in your basement. Usually that's the lowest level, you know. Well, of course, it's a basement. But, um, but it also pulls that vapor out, and so it dries the basement down. And, you know, radon mitigation fans... Are not expensive to run. I mean, they're a very they're they're designed to run 24 hours a day at very little electrical cost, as opposed to a dehumidifier. There's no maintenance to it, as opposed to a dehumidifier. And so, I you know, I would kind of if you do feel like the moisture level is high, and you can check that. I mean, you can have. Uh, a humidistat down in the basement and, and, and see what the moisture level is down there, down in that basement area. And probably one of the best mold people that I've ever met, and he was, you know, renowned around the world, and it was simple. He said, hey, if it smells mildewy down here or like an old farmhouse is how he put it, then you probably have, you know, mold. Um, and if it does... You know, Even
1: if the, your old farmhouse yeah, smells like an old yeah. farmhouse? I know. Built.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good point there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can buy those in little Christmas tree shapes and hang them from here, from here in your car, too, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's so... I would kind of recommend that uh, um, for overall, you know, especially since we do have such a high radon and, uh, you know, levels in Iowa... Um, that really think about that, That that's going to take care of it. Uh, we hope it would take care of it, but but I know it depressurizes us because I've seen you know we watch it in action. Um, uh, so that may be a way to go to is to try that first when it is damp, but still, I wouldn't put carpet down. But right. uh, but take a look and and you know, uh, a whole house uh dehumidification system is installed by an HVAC professional. Because you're looking at fans that when they tie into your heating and cooling systems that if they're put in wrong, you're having fans fight each other and, and, and all these issues of, of proper air circulation. And it may cause, you know, issues with the filtration system and delivery and temperature and comfort. So you need to have someone that is familiar with them before you install those.
1: 866-780-9100 is the number to call. 866-780-9100. You can also send questions to Talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. Questions about any of the home improvement projects on your to-do list. I know this isn't a very active home improvement season <laughs> because trying to carry stuff out into your frozen yard is is pretty challenging, but maybe you're making plans for later this spring. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. So let's say your basement does smell musty, mildewy. Right. What do you do? How do you, how do you figure out if there's a mold problem?
0: Well, luckily, um, after you know, Iowa's suffered so many uh, different tragedies as far as flooding, we now have several uh businesses throughout the state of Iowa reputable businesses i think they've pretty much weeded through all the people that were just trying to rip off and so there are a lot of specialists in in mold mitigation now and uh, um, i was i got to you know visualize and, and watch what the results of one that came in and they were uh, did a house and they were they were very very um focused on a quality uh, job. They wanted to make sure that there wasn't any issues whatsoever. I mean, they were, they pulled all the base molding up, you know, they are cutting the drywall up an inch and a half. They constantly were testing with sensors all over the place with probes. They had uh at that time they had probably four of very large portable dehumidification units to draw down to draw that moisture down. And uh anything that uh, uh had any substantial mold growth, uh, you know, it was it was removed. And that, that's one thing about mold is, is it is it's really dangerous when it's growing, you know. Um when it's dead it's a whole other issue. But the key to it is to stop the moisture you're not going to have mold if you don't have the moisture. And so if you can eliminate that, and so in many cases, it's poor building practices, that uh, usually it was um, poor slope for soils, uh, no drainage tile, not putting rock underneath your basement floor. And if someone is building new coming this coming year, make sure that The builder, and it's really strange to know that sometimes when we go talk to builders, you ask how many of them have a code book and no hands go up. Um, So to say, okay, there has to be free draining granular material underneath your basement floor. You just can't put it on clay like I talked about earlier. So we need to make sure that that that, that happens. And then that goes to, say, a sump pump or drainage system where it goes to daylight or to, in town, to your uh, storm sewer system. Um, so if you could take care of those and put in a, you know, dehumidification system of some sort, like a radon system, you know, you should eliminate that moisture. But to, to have someone come in that's professional, it's kind of gotten to the point where, you know, we would talk about doing it yourself. I think I think it's best now that uh, you, you do bring in a, a, a professional and make sure that um, – that you have a rider or something on your insurance. Uh, a lot of times the insurance company isn't going to help you if it happened two days ago. So as soon as you get moisture and, and you want to talk to your insurance company beforehand, but as soon as you uh, get that moisture, you get a hold of the insurance company and ask them what to do. Um, the other thing is a, a, a lot of people that live in areas along the rivers, and if they still have a mortgage, they probably have to buy flood insurance through the federal government. Um, it probably isn't going to be bad. I hope it isn't going to be a bad year for flooding here. But if you don't have flood insurance and uh, you're in the newer updated, because uh, uh, all of those uh, River elevations for floods were raised after the Missouri River, and they're raised substantially. I mean, at at our house, it they probably raised it about 10 or 12 feet because uh, my wife likes to keep track of all the floods that we've had on the Des Moines River. The worst uh, or the highest elevations Des Moines River were, were at in Fort Dodge, the highest uh, – Six of the highest 10 were since we've been where we're at. Uh, And so, but then they raised it a lot. So, but if you, if they have flood insurance, it may may run, let's just say, like $1,500 a year. And we just noticed that, let's say you decide not to do it, um, and then you come back later. Uh, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars more because since if you have it for a while, you get this big discount. Well, right? They, they say it's a big discount, and so uh, it's only fifteen hundred. But if you decide oh, I'm going to drop it, and then you come back a couple of years later, it's gonna, it might cost you six to seven thousand to get the Ooh. same coverage. Right. So look so at that to
1: Make sure you know. Right. If you have a question for us, give us a call, 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100. Bill's ready to answer your questions about any of the home improvement projects on your to-do list. And Colette is on the line in Waterloo. And Colette, uh, your question may have already been covered when we're talking about mold in the basement, but tell us about your specific situation.
3: Well... I live in an old house that's basically 100 years old. And back in 2008, when we had all the flooding, I had what they call the beaver system put in and a sump pump. Right. And so, which is wonderful. My basement doesn't flood anymore, but I still fight this kind of black stuff that kind of grows up out from where that beaver system, because they've got those panels for weeping put up. And I'm always fighting that. You know, if I spray bleach on it, it goes away for a while.
0: Right. Just for a while. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And I I was probably
3: on hold. So I missed the mold discussion. I'm sorry. Oh, Oh, no, no, that's
1: all right.
0: No, um, there are uh, some products out there. I would check with um, uh, your local Department of Health and find out what they recommend. you're, you're in uh, what Blackhawk County aren't you yeah um, yeah uh, I would check with with the county and see what they recommend because some of the counties have really uh, kind of stepped it up and, and gathered basically like a library to help their local people on uh-huh. what products work what products don't um, you can also go to the Environmental Protection Agency's website and put in mold um, you know mold mitigation and you can type in your specific uh, issue, and most of the time they'll come back with what products work. Now, uh, Zin- the Zinser company makes a lot of mold mitigation coatings, Z-I-N-N-S-E-R. Uh, and they have kind of a bullseye-type logo. They, they've come out with, just in the last few years, they've come out with some newer products that you may be able to coat that if you can get it dried down. And, and then coat it, you're basically encapsulating what keeps coming back, uh, you know, because that's what the problem is. It's, it's gone in so far, mycelium have gone in so far, those little roots have got. you hit the bleach with, you hit it with bleach and it keeps coming back. So you may be able to in, encapsulate that um, as well. And that beaver system, you um, I can't, you know, I put one in. Gee, many Christmas that's in the seventies. I put one in a McDonald's in Fort Dodge. I remember putting one first came out, um, and I can't remember if they're open at the very end or not. But I don't know if you can tie that into uh, your, uh, like a, if you do have a radon mitigation fan or sometime, um, if you do put one in, I don't know if it, you could pull that out of that as well, but, um, but I would, you know, check it either with your county, uh, or the e- EPA on that, on the proper coatings. Cause it, it is a heck of a deal to keep, keep yes. that at bay when it's damp and it's at the worst spot, right? Like you say on right where that beaver system, cause it's hard mm-hmm. to ever find it when it's going to be dry. Yes. Yeah.
3: And when I had that put in, um, the company said, you know, if you ever want to refinish the basement, which I've never done, but he said you could put up some kind of vapor barrier.
0: Um, yeah, you know, they say but, that. And then I thought, uh, wouldn't
3: the mold grow behind that? <laughs> oh, my.
0: You know, icky. You know um, what, Colette? You, just, you hit on something that has always been in – I'll, I go into new homes and I'll look at new basements and someone will put a vapor barrier up against a basement. Now, we did that in the 70s and you hit it right on the head. You put a vapor barrier, something that moisture vapor cannot go through. Yes, it's just <laughs> you'll have water running down that basement wall. Uh-huh. And, and it's and it's the worst thing you can do in a basement. Um, and so that's why, uh, because it's cold, you know the basement basement wall is cold in the winter you put plastic against you can watch the water run down mm-hmm. um so i'm so glad you said that because we still see that in buildings and in fact it is against the building code to put a vapor barrier on anything that's underground below the the, the, the soil level the top of the soil level so it, it's illegal but we still see it and we also see uh, uh, they call them agricultural blankets. There are a vinyl-wrapped insulation that they use in pole barns. That technically meets code, but it's doing the same thing of what you said. They put it against the wall because it's wrapped in vinyl. They put it against the wall, and then I've got tons of pictures where we see the water running down the wall. So I'm, I'm glad that you you know, were able to just common sense wise, you know, know that that hey, that's wrong. I'm glad. Is Bad it a conc- is it a concrete block basement? Yes. Yeah. Very yeah.
3: old concrete block basement, and I think it sounds like the best thing to do is get rid of the mold, like
0: with, yeah. The, yeah.
3: with the route you said, and then um, I'm glad you talked about the radon mitigation system because. I, I probably need one of those, and if it drives the basement out, yay.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, a win-win. And, and and on those concrete block foundations, too, is uh, at the top of the concrete wall. I used to put in block foundations a long time ago. At the very top, if you can stick your fingers over the top of the wall and stick your fingers down inside of the concrete block, you'll want to have someone come along and add another board or something to and caulk it in tight so there's no... Air being pulled in from the foundation, the cores, okay. open cores in the foundation yep. are wet. Yep. And I know just what you're talking yep. about. Yep. So yeah, if you could sting that. your finger over the top, <laughs> and and it's really fun if somebody has an infrared camera or a little smoke gun or something like that, you could turn on your bath fan and aim at the top of your wall and you can watch this stuff just uh, get sucked out of your basement wall with everything that's growing in there into your house. So, uh, man, you, you had some really good topics there. Thank you. Okay,
3: wow. Sounds like I've got a horror show going on. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be on. We've we've heard worse.
0: Yeah, you're going to be on Sven Gouli on the Me Channel. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you so much for the information. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot for the call, Colette. Good luck. We've got some more questions to answer, but we've got to take a break before we get to those questions. But you are welcome to join the conversation with your questions. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100. 866-780-9100. You can send email to talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. We've been talking mostly about water damage, avoiding water damage, dealing with water damage, avoiding mold today. But you are welcome to join the conversation with any of the questions that you have about home improvement projects on your to-do list or some problems you've noticed in your home. Again, that number 866-780-9100. Bill McAnally, our home improvement expert, is here with me today. This is Talk of Iowa. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Our home improvement expert, Bill McAnally, is here today to answer your questions. You can give us a call, 866-780-9100, or send email to Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. We've got a bunch of email questions to answer here, Bill. Fred in Iowa City says... In the past, I have seen the sump pumps of many of my neighbors pumping water out of their houses. I have lived in my house for over 13 years, and to my knowledge, the sump pump has never activated. The radon mitigation system vents out of the sump pit, which is sealed with a plastic lid. I'd like to test the sump pump, but I'm concerned about how to proceed. Will there be any harm in pulling the lid off the pit? How much water would I need to dump into the pit to activate the pump?
0: Well, if it's working correctly, you could probably keep putting water in there and it, it would never turn on because it's draining away some some way or somewhere that it's not getting to you. Someone did a, a really good job of uh, either siting your home at the right elevation. You know, you're, you might be, let's say, six, eight inches higher than everybody else, and so all of your water is going to them. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you do want to test the sump pump, I mean, uh, if it's fairly old, that that lid that you have the best you cut it with utility knife around the edge of it and you can pry it off the hole i'm just uh, seeing in my eyes this kind that that i would normally put in um and then if you and then you can test it uh you can pull it out and test it probably you know and just you know flick the uh uh the control on it there's usually a little arm that activates it uh, keep your fingers out of the very bottom um, to see if it works, and uh, I, would, I would do it like that. Or if, gonna, if you are going to do that, I guess, you have to put it back down and make sure that it is exactly the same place it was before and use a rubber sealant. Uh, that seems to be the best caulking for that. And uh, a long time ago, uh, we were in a basement where there was a little bit of moisture coming up through a crack, and we're looking down through what was a plexiglass lid over the sump pump, and we're looking at the sump pump, and it wasn't running, couldn't figure out what's wrong with it. Well, we were actually looking at it through the, all the water, <laughs> so when we cut the lid off, water comes shooting up, and... Uh you know that that pump didn't work, and I have had my myself I have had brand new pumps that, after a couple of years, didn't work, and awful was just because they rusted a, enough or where it wouldn't the huh. impeller wouldn't start so if you want to if you wanted to okay. that
1: would you check or would you trust uh, I mean thirteen years we've had major yeah. rain events in those last thirteen years. Yeah. would you just trust that it's working
0: um you know? If it, <laughs> that's really a good question. Yeah, leave it alone. Um, it, that's a, that's, a, that's a, a personal one. Um, you know, I probably, after 13 years, I may want to take it out and just double check, make sure it does. Okay. Just make sure you put it exactly, because down at the bottom, sometimes it may have had water around it, but not enough to kick up. And sometimes it'll bring in sediment, and hopefully the impellers down the bottom are not full of sediment. So that would be one thing, bring it out and service it.
1: Okay.
3: There you go. Yeah. So you yeah, would. Yeah. Go check, ahead. Yeah. I think I would. I
0: think I would now after 13 years. Yeah. All right. I think that's a safe way to answer that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I said you told me not to, and. <laughs>
1: right. Right.
0: <laughs> well, Charity said.
1: <laughs> I did not say anything. I am neutral. All right. Let's go to the phone. Sherry's on the line in Urbandale. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Charity. Hi. What's your question?
2: Um, I have a um a uh, sunroom that I close off in the winter time. Um It is not, it's on posts, so there's nothing finished underneath it. And I got a new furnace a year and a half ago, and they turned on the April air humidifier thing. Okay. And I have noticed that when it gets cold, I get frost all over the walls. And then, of course, it melts and it drips down the walls. Right. Should I what's what's my is it the april air thing that's doing it
0: uh there's there's an issue with i think the construction uh, something is going on there uh, how far off the ground is that and it has posts underneath it is like a couple feet off the ground
2: oh no it's it's like a full floor like okay. 10 feet off the ground and
0: okay. it and
2: it didn't it did not do it the first 2 years i lived here with the old furnace and without the april air turned on
0: okay yeah there's probably a, a pressure pressure issue and, and or how they put the duct work in um yeah 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 there's i think yeah there's if it if it only doing it when the april air is on uh maybe maybe a duct was connected uh, someplace where it shouldn't have or there's a pressure difference yeah call uh call whoever put the uh the april air in uh, or was that yeah, when that was that was that installed just recently as well, or was that original?
2: It was it was original, and when I bought the house, I didn't know how to turn it on, so okay. I didn't bother with it until I got the new <laughs> furniture.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, have the have the tech come back, uh, because it's probably probably kicking air that maybe is a little bit too high in moisture. Sometimes it it may be some exhaust air. Uh, real high moisture air going there and hitting in that, that cold area and then you're getting moisture. You yeah, have them come back and take a look at it. The other thing is, hopefully, the, you know, that that floor in, in this uh, uh, sunroom is insulated very well and air sealed very well as well, because that could also be causing it. Okay. Yeah. Would it,
2: is, it, is it wise to turn off the vents, the heat vents in the winter time, since I have the room closed off, or should I leave them open?
0: Um, you know, I like keeping it, you know, I like keeping it at least 50 degrees in there because you don't want to have, uh, when you do want to run it, let's say all of a sudden every, all the materials in it are, are really cold and then you bring warm air in and you'll get condensation. You know, it's, it's the best thing to do is keep it, you know, halfway tempered, like maybe 50 degrees. I wouldn't shut them completely off now. Okay. All right. Thank you so you much.
1: Yeah, thanks Thank a lot you. for the call, Sherry. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. You can email talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org. Kate in West Des Moines writes, We recently installed a separate heating and cooling system for our the second level in our home. It helps substantially with keeping the upstairs cool in the summer. However, when the heat runs now, I believe for the second floor, the system is incredibly loud on our main level. The company said that's normal, but there must be something to manage the noise. It's a loud furnace sound plus a high-pitched whistle. That Ooh. sounds awful.
0: Yeah, yeah, there, there's an issue there. Um, I would have them come back or have another company or a third party, like an energy raider, uh, someone that's uh, familiar with it. Uh, there are some companies in Des Moines I know that, that do that, that will come out and just take a look at it. They're usually, um,
1: but the company that installed it yeah should.
0: that may yeah, they should because it sound, if she's already said that it sounds like they're not doing anything, yeah. uh, you shouldn't have a whistle, that's one thing because most of the time that can be eliminated either by sealing um, now and and then sometimes if people have really good hearing, they'll hear. A whistle where somebody like me won't and a lot of times it is because the air is going so fast um, it's not being tumbled so a lot of HVAC people will put a small section of um, um, ductwork that is um, uh, yeah, gee whiz, I'm 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 losing it, wh- whatever uh, the, the ductwork that's not hard ductwork, <laughs> man. Uh, it's a it's it's a Monday, um, <laughs> so it tumbles it tumbles the air, uh, flex duct. Thank you, Bill. Uh, flex duct that kind of tumbles the air. We've had to do that on ventilation systems because the homeowner would hear this whistle, and she did even say she even said what key it was, and oh, oh wow. my gosh, you know, um, and it drove her nuts. Um, so that, but um, a lot of it's just a ductwork issue. Um, you shouldn't be hearing it any louder than what it was before. Uh, may, it may just be where it's located as well, and maybe you'll have to put some you know, sound insulation around it or frame it in somehow to knock that noise down. But when they're running correctly, it shouldn't be any louder than what it was before. If it was designed right.
1: All right. Kate, thanks a lot for the question. Uh, Tom asks this. He says, we have a split-level home, and the garage is underneath the bedroom space. The garage is not insulated. Ooh. This impacts the temperature of the home, and we'd like a warmer garage. Yes, does it make sense to insulate the garage?
0: Yes, it does. And um, those are those are really cases. The biggest key, the biggest key here, uh, is to make sure that there is no ductwork in the floor space below it that isn't properly insulated and installed. Uh, you'll see sometimes a quick job. Um, or maybe the maybe the deck works put in before the, the, the garage was like say finished off. It, hopefully you know, I'm just I'm just hoping that you can still see some of the floor joists and it's not drywalled, but you want to air seal. That's your biggest thing. You have to air seal that ceiling in the garage or the floor up above it, and that has to be filled to capacity with insulation. You can't have big air gaps, so you have to have full insulation. The ductwork has to be completely sealed, all the joints and everything, and it has to be designed correctly for in that space Um, and then you should have a 5-8 fire resistant drywall on the ceiling of that garage to the floor up above if that is insulated correctly and drywalled for fire correctly it should substantially help it but most of the time it's because the ductwork isn't insulated correctly But we've also come into places where we'll add like two inches of uh, extruded foam on the bottom of the floor joists, have that floor joist system all completely full of insulation. If it's 12 inches, fill it completely with insulation, have the foam, and then have that 5-H drywall on the bottom and have it all taped professionally, and then make sure that that door going from the garage into the house is a fire-rated door, and it's installed like the best... Cabinet door you would ever put in. That one uh, keeps moisture as well as uh, any gases from getting into the home. And I would also recommend that you put an exhaust fan in that uh, garage that kicks on. You can have an electrician do this for you, but have it kicked on whenever the vehicle comes in or there's motion or anything that that fan exhaust air out of that garage would also takes all that extra moisture and any combustion gases that may be in it to the outside so it depressurizes the garage which keeps the moisture from going up into the room up above. Uh, yeah that that's that's always been um, a design that is really hard to handle is these drive under garages so that it really has to be sealed airtight.
1: okay. Uh, Chris in Nevada says, How about advice on retrofit insulation options for pre World War II built houses? Blow in or spray foam, insulate ceiling or roof. What are the pros and cons?
0: Well, there's a ton of that. Uh, if you go to buildingscience.com or Green Building Advisor, um, or construction instruction. It's a free app you can uh, get on your phone. It's all animation, so you can see how these things go. In fact, fine home building. Just I think the last one or two issues ha- uh, showed retrofitting a home about about that age. Um, you know this this is where uh, especially if it's like a like a Cape Cod style or something that has uh, a second floor that you know has a sloped ceiling and then there's like maybe a four foot wall on each side of the room. They're really hard to insulate. Those are the kind that usually it's just easier to insulate the, over the top of the roof, if you're, especially if you're going to put a new roof on. But it can get very expensive. Uh, foam Two-inch foam has gone from $18 for a 4x8 sheet about a year and a half ago that I could get. It's up to $50 a sheet now. Um, many builders are looking at rock wool. Um, products. So they can come in uh, uh, different densities uh, a board and it's, uh, it's waterproof, um, it's bug proof, it's fire resistant and it's easy to cut, easy to install. The price points coming down on that there are a lot of different ways to handle it. I, I, I really like the idea of going over the top even if it does cost a little more you're getting the complete insulation and it's, it's covering all the wood framing and everything if you insulate it on the top. Um, and then you use a vapor permeable, uh, like a peel and stick membrane, something like um, uh to put on that roof, too. There's a whole assembly, and that's why you want to go to, like, buildingscience.com to see what works Um, for your particular climate and where you're located because all these layers, um, they all affect dew points and they all affect where moisture may occur inside of an assembly. So you really have to look at what goes where, how much where, uh, because if you're doing the walls, if you put a lot of insulation on the outside, um, you're, you're in great shape. But if you put some on the outside and you have a certain amount in the wall, then the dew point where the condensation occurs when it's cold outside, warm inside. It may occur in your wall, inside, or it may be kind of outside in this insulation. So you want to look at these charts. And uh, you just look at, um, you can even type in R value, interior, exterior, and it'll it'll basically tell you how much insulation you have to have for us. Like we would put um, like two inches of exterior insulation here in Iowa. Um, to, to kind of keep that dew point out there. Now, up in Minnesota, I put four inches on the outside and nothing in the walls, which just still baffles me, but the science is there. Um, so, yeah, and and, and that – because the retrofits are tough. The good thing about doing what he's talking about is is I, I would rather put it on the outside, if it, especially if you're going to put new siding on, than poke holes in your wall. Hopefully that the foam, which – almost never goes where it's supposed to when you poke holes in there, have blown input in, and that's also hard because on that age of home, there might be a lot of junk inside that wall. So just pull the siding off, put all the insulation on the outside. You're not making a mess inside whatsoever. And you can actually look at your wiring from the outside and fix it if you need to, and upgrade it. Put the insulation on the outside, and if your windows are great, fine. Just put extensions, and if uh, your siding guy says, "Oh, that's too hard," well, find another siding person because they do it all. They do it everywhere else. Um, but yeah, just uh, I really like the outside. It just eliminates a lot of issues, especially right. moisture vapor.
1: So lightning round. Last Ooh, question. Here we go. Carol says, we have painted wooden steps from the main floor to the concrete basement floor, unfinished basement. They were painted probably 20 years ago. Any tips for repainting wooden steps? Type of paint? Number of coats? Not slippery? You have 30 <laughs> seconds, Bill. 30
0: seconds? <laughs> oh, man. My son-in-law's got the same thing going on, and I yeah. can't even figure his out. Um, <laughs> they, they make a really good, uh, uh, the, the major companies, when you tell them that you're going to have a high wear area like steps, they have very high wear. Um, mixtures and i mean i personally it, it, i would do it with putting the small granules in it wear your socks out but you're not going to slip because i really notice right. now at my age when i'm coming down a set of steps with socks on i mean it's i'm slippery. almost ter- i'm almost terrified right yeah. so i want to have a little grit there everybody else no 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 um it depends i guess on how well you value your relatives um and i would make sure too when you have painted steps to make sure you have a very solid handrail because we are going to slip on those kind, and if you have room, put put them on both sides. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I would go to the paint store and tell them exactly what you have.
1: All right, there Carol. I hope that helps, yep. Bill McAnally. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Charity. Bill McAnally, our home improvement expert. Talk of Iowa is a production of IPR News. Our producers are Danny Gere, Caitlin Troutman, and Samantha McIntosh. We had production assistance today from Kate Perez. I'm Charity Nebbe. This is Talk of Iowa.